Hello and welcome to this edition of Inside Warhawk Ethics, presented by Educators Credit Union. This is a new series we've recently launched to showcase the personalities in and around UW Whitewater Athletics. My name is Kelly Storty, and I'm a graduate assistant in sports communications for the Warhawks. Today's guest is Lindsay Graviscus, whose title at UW Whitewater is assistant professor, except she is much more than that. Lindsay works alongside the athletic department at UWW consulting athletes in the mental side of sports. She completed her undergraduate and master's degree at Northern Illinois University. She completed her PhD at the University of Utah, and her bachelor's degree is in psychology and her master's and PhD in exercise science with specialization in sport and exercise psychology. Having played soccer in college herself, she understands the importance of having a strong mental game, and she loves sharing her with student-athletes. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today. How are things going for you? It's going pretty well. Thanks. How about you? Everything is going well, pretty much as best as it can be right now. So we are just going to have right into the questions that I have for you today. So I'm going to start off with having you walk me through how you started your career at Whitewater and where you were before this. All right. So prior to Whitewater, I was at University of Utah getting my PhD and I worked uh, on a public health grant there as well. And during my PhD, I was studying sport and exercise psychology, as you mentioned, and I was doing um, internship hours working with athletes, um, but also I had the opportunity to teach classes as well. And I found out that I liked doing both of those things. I liked doing sports psychology work with athletes, but I also enjoyed teaching. And so I started looking for jobs where I might have the opportunity to do both. Um, I came across uh, UW-Whitewater, which is also um, in the Midwest. I grew up in uh, the Midwest, and I wanted to head back that direction after being in Utah for so long. So uh, I applied and got the job uh, as an assistant professor. And then the first week I was here, I started talking with the athletic director to you know, figure out how I could integrate myself into the, the athletics department as well. I know you're a great help to my team and I'm sure plenty of other teams here. And I think that even nowadays, more so than ever, we've realized that the mental side of sports is almost more important than the physical side. You really need both to be successful. And I think that at Whitewater, we have really, really successful teams. And I think it's only going to make us more successful with, you know, the resources that you can bring. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things I say to athletes is, you know, I ask them, you know, what percent of the game is physical and what percent is mental? And people, you know, give me all sorts of answers. 50-50, 80-20, you know, more on the mental side, 80-20 more on the physical side. But I say it's a trick question and it's really 100 and 100 that it takes 100% of your physical capabilities and 100% of your mental capabilities all the time. Um, because it really is, you know, you can be a very physically gifted athlete but if you can't get your mind right then you know you're going to choke in those big situations and uh have you know decreased performance right i agree with you completely 
Where and when did you find your passion for helping out student athletes in their mental game? I would say it started back when I was an athlete myself. Uh, I was a psychology major and I didn't even realize that there was such a thing as sport and exercise psychology. And I found the sport psych consultant that was at our school and I started working with her and I was like, wow, I really like this. And I think I, I could do this. And so I decided to um, stay at my school to do my master's work with her. Um, she actually ended up leaving and I worked with another professor who was awesome, but uh, I started learning more about sports psychology. And then as I started doing it, I just fell in love with it and wanted to keep on going. It's totally so important. And also having a professor that you really get along with makes you like want to continue to do what you're doing. I think that's really, really cool that you stuck with it. The next question I have for you is when did or when you begin working with a student athlete, um, what are the first few steps you take to decide what route is best? Yeah, so I think one of the very first I do with a student athlete, if I'm having a, an individual meeting with them, is I just try to get to know them and sort of build that rapport. Um, I want the student athlete to trust me and I want to put my trust in them and it's really a partnership. And so building that relationship is really the most important thing to me. So I share a little bit about myself. I find out a little bit about them regardless of their, you know, performance issues or, you know, whatever's going on with them. I just want to find out who they are as a person to sort of build that relationship first. And then right. after that, then we can start digging into the issue and see, you know, what's going on with them and deciding, you know, is this something that I can help them with performance wise, or is it a different, you know, mental issue that maybe the counseling center is more equipped to handle? Right. Having that trust in someone that you're talking to and feeling like you can call them whenever, even if you had a good day of performance, a bad day of performance, or just to update them on whatever's going on in life. I think that is how you become the most successful when just working with one-on-one -on -one with an athlete because they trust you, you trust them, and it's a, it builds like a great relationship. Yeah, that's one of the things I've really missed this year is that some of the best conversations I've had with athletes have been an athlete has just dropped in my office to give me an update. You know, we didn't have an appointment or anything, but they just saw I was there and came in and sat down and we just had a conversation. And those were some of the best ones that I'm really missing out on this year, not, you know, being around as much and, you know, not being able to have anybody in my office even because it, I can't social distance in my tiny office. So right. that is some of the, some of the best stuff is just the, the, you know, relationship building for sure. So the next question I have for you are, what are the differences or similarities you have when working with individuals? Because I know that you personally worked with my team. However, when I was in high school, I also worked with a sports psychologist and I saw him individually. So what is what are the similarities or differences there? In terms of working with teams versus individuals? Correct. Yeah. Um, so I think with with teams, I find it very challenging to work with teams, especially really large teams. So, for example, the track team, you have mm -hmm. such a huge team and it's 
so diverse in terms of, you know, there's sprinters, there's middle distance, there's long distance, there's throwers, there's jumpers, right? It's so diverse. And so finding activities and things to do with that entire group that's going to be applicable to every single person, that can be really challenging. And so I think that um, the sessions for groups aren't as individualized, which is okay, um, but it tends to be teaching broader skills. So for example, I would teach um, imagery um, or what some people would call visualization. And so teaching the basic principles of that because everyone can then take those principles and apply them to their own um, sport, their own event, their own you know situation. But at an individual level, you can dig in a little bit deeper and really address the concerns that that individual athlete has. Um, or you know, if they don't have any concerns, which is one thing I really like about sports psych is you don't have to have a problem or an issue to work with somebody on sports psych. It can be about, hey, let's look at what your optimal performance looks like. You're already doing a great job. Let's see if we can improve it even more. And so, you know, you can really dig into some of that stuff on an individual level and tailor it to the individual athlete, which is what I like about the individual sessions as well. Um, not that the group sessions can't be beneficial. It's just not as individualized and it takes a little more work on the athlete's part to apply what I'm teaching. Right. I think that um, when you worked with our team, many of our girls hadn't ever had um, any sports psychology training in the past. And I remember we did the string and washer drill and like really focus on like visualization and what the washer was doing. However, I think when working with a team, you probably feel like you're giving the student athletes something to think about and then once they do that they can come up to you and be like hey Lindsay like I think that we can I I want to get better at this I want to focus on my mental side and then that at least gives them the ability to already know you trust you and then say you know what I I really want to work with you I think that I can become more successful in my sport um if we start a program yeah, and I think that's totally true that we, um, a lot of times I'll get the coaches or an athlete, you know, asking me after a group session, like, hey, you know, that was really cool. Do you know more about this? Or, hey, you know, I want to learn more about whatever we just talked about. And then also, like you said, just we're already building that relationship in the group setting. And so it makes you more comfortable because we can skip some of the formality when you come in as an individual because we've already met each other through the group setting so it um it does definitely help right i totally agree so you touched on this a little bit um before in one of your previous answers so what is the main difference in how you are seeing student athletes right now due to covid are you are you still having meetings with them even though you know there isn't sports taking place how are you how are you getting through that yeah, so it's looked very different. They haven't really done uh, much in terms of group sessions because obviously we're trying not to get people together in large groups. Right. Um, so the stuff that I've been doing is more individual. I've met with a few individual athletes uh, via Zoom or WebEx or you know different virtual methods, had phone conversations. Some of it's just emailing back and forth too. Um, hey, here's a website, take a look. Here's a link, watch this video. Um, so it does look a little bit different. Um, 
and it's it's definitely been more of a challenge just trying to be creative with you know normally i'm sitting in my office and i've got a whole file cabinet full of things binders full of activities and things to try and you know we don't have that luxury right now so um it is a little bit different but i i think it's still uh there's a place a place for it and i'm still available you know to work with athletes especially right now that it is you know there is all this uncertainty and you're not getting to perform i mean now is the time to be practicing those things like imagery and self-talk that can help you you know stay on your game even when you're not able to play right i know that i have definitely struggled with losing my season and like losing the end of my senior year however now i'm back um but i still think that it's super important to keep that mental side up because we haven't been competing. You know, a lot of people didn't even get to compete this summer. I got to compete in a few tournaments that I played in, but nothing is like that, you know, the college conference championship. So just being able to still, you know, even meet virtually and having discussions and focusing on new things, even if it's just, you know, every month or every, you know, couple months, it still is going to help you perform when hopefully we get back into playing. Yeah, that's really cool about mental training is you can do it like anywhere, anytime. And, you know, once you learn the skills, practice them, it's, you know, you can do them on your own and mental skills do take practice just like physical ones. And so the more you practice them, um, you know, the better. And I, I look at this kind of like, you know, when an athlete gets injured and they have to sit out, you know, what would I tell them to do? Well, I would tell them to work on their imagery and I'd tell them to you know, find a new hobby and I, you know, I'd give them suggestions. And so I've been kind of making those suggestions to the athletes and, you know, although they're not injured, they're not being able to play. And it's kind of a similar situation. Right. Right. What few personality traits do you feel all athletes must have? I know that might be a tough question, but what are some characteristics you look for that you feel athletes just become the most successful when they have these traits? Yeah. So the actual like research on personality and athletics really shows that it can be a variety of different personalities that actually leads to a successful athlete. And, you know, the relationship between personality and performance is, is tenuous at best. It's not very strong. Um, but from my own personal experience, I mean, there's definitely things that I think can help an athlete be more su successful. So if someone is very like conscientious, hardworking, driven, goal oriented, that's going to help somebody, you know, train harder and put more effort in and, you know, work hard. Right. And so that's obviously a characteristic that you would want in an athlete. Um, if you have an athlete who doesn't go the extra mile is kind of lazy and stuff that you know that's going to be really hard for them to be successful so that's one thing another thing would be um having an open mind because a lot of times to be successful you have to try things that are different or that uh maybe you never thought about and especially in my world with the mental game a lot of athletes uh, as you said have never been exposed to it before and so having an open mind and trying some of these mental skills that I teach, um, or even if it's a physical skill, maybe the, the strength and conditioning coach is having you try uh, a new lift, right? Having an open mind um, can be a really important thing, I think, to be a successful athlete as well. 
I would agree with you completely. So hopping off of that question, it kind of tags along with that. So do you feel that athletes become more successful when they are just focusing on the strength side of things and they also are focusing on the mental side of things? Yeah, definitely. I think the most successful athletes are very well-rounded. So they have, you know, a good physical uh, background. They have skills and talents in their sport, but then they also have the mental capacity to control and use those skills and talents. Um, and it's more than just, you know, physical and mental. There's a social aspect, right? Most people belong to a team. And so getting along with your teammates, um, especially in a team sport, but even in a more individual sport too, your teammates can impact you. And so there's, you know, the social side of things as well. Um, and then, you know, you can even go further from there and there's sort of an environmental side. There's all different sides to athletics that people don't realize. And so having, you know, a very well-rounded athlete um, is ultimately what I think is, is very important. And so that's, again, back to my 100%, 100% thing. I'm not saying that the mental side is more important than the physical side. And I'm not saying the physical side is more important than the mental side. I think that having this, you know, well-rounded athlete being, you know, 100% in everything is ultimately um, what's going to make the most successful athlete. Right. My coach always used to say to us, um, learn how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And I think that's, that's has to do with everything, mental side, physical side, all of that. But being able to not allow yourself to snowball if something goes wrong is really awesome. Because like you said, in a team sport like basketball, yeah, you, your coach can pull you to the side and you know, you can work through that really quick and then you get back in the game. However, when you are in those individual sports like running or like golf, your coach isn't there all the time. So you really have to have that mental side to be like, okay, so this is what we're going to do. Take a few deep breaths. And I think that an athlete being able to do that is going to make them super successful. Yeah. And I think, you know, describing that you know with running or golf when you don't have somebody there talking you through it that's exactly you know my goal is to work myself out of a job essentially I want to give you all the tools so that I don't have to be there telling you what to do or coach doesn't have to be there telling what to do I want to give you the tools so that you can pull out those tools when you need them um, whatever it may be and use those you know in that moment because you never know when something's going to pop up. You're going to all of a sudden doubt yourself or start, you know, snowballing when something goes wrong or sometimes just need a little, a little booster, a pick me up. And so, you know, that's ultimately my goal is to just give you a bunch of tools that, you know, you can call on when you need them. That's awesome. Having been a student athlete yourself, do you feel that you're more connected to the athletes you're working with? I think so. I think that you don't necessarily have to be a student athlete to be a good mental coach or sports psychology consultant, but I think it definitely does a few things. Number one, it gives you a little bit of credibility when working with athletes because they know that you know what they're going through, what they've been through. Even though you, you know, may not have had the exact same experience, it's it's nice, you know, having those shared experiences of having to balance class and athletics and a social life and everything. Um, and also knowing that, you know, you've been 
in their shoes. So I think that is, is really helpful in terms of building that credibility and then, you know, maintaining that relationship as well, just having some of those shared experiences. Um, but I also think, you know, sometimes you have to be careful because you don't want to assume that you know exactly what they're going through just because you were an athlete as well. Right. Um, but definitely, you know, I draw on a lot of my own experiences all the time when I'm talking with athletes just to think about, well, how did I feel when that was happening to me? And um, it can definitely help give you some of that empathy. Right. That makes sense. And I think that just being, have, having seen a sports psychologist myself, I think that it makes you feel more comfortable because you as an athlete feel like you can relate to who you're talking to more because they have been in your shoes, even though, you know, it is different. Soccer and golf aren't the same. We can still learn from the experiences that each of us have gone through. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, soccer and golf probably couldn't be more different sports, right? But <laughs> at the same time, you know, like I said, there's still that, you know, balancing act of school and sports and everything that, that we both went through. And there's still, you know, that moment at the end of a soccer game or on your last hole in golf and you're, you know, feeling like this is it. There's still those similar moments that, that you can definitely have those commonalities. Let's take a break to talk about Educators Credit Union. We're all educators in our own way. Whether you share knowledge in a classroom with your kids or with your friends, there's a teacher in you. That's why Educators Credit Union membership is open to anyone who works or lives in southeastern Wisconsin. To learn more about joining us, visit ecu.com or call toll-free 1-800-236-5898. That's ecu.com or toll-free 1-800-236-5898. Educators Credit Union achieving more together. Now back to the podcast. Jumping into talking about your sport a little bit, what were your greatest strengths and weaknesses when you played soccer? Well, this was a million years ago. So let me just think back. <laughs> like, um, so I'll, I'll start with my weaknesses. Um, because when I came into my college years, I was a goalkeeper and I had never been just a goalkeeper. I'd always played some goalkeeper and played some other positions, but I knew I was coming into this, uh, this university as being just a goalkeeper. And I was a freshman and I walked right into the starting job and I was terrified. Um, and so one of my big weaknesses was, as I was very quiet. I was not vocal. I was shy and reserved and um for anybody that plays soccer knows the goalkeeper usually is a leader especially on the defense and it is a little bit more outspoken and so because I was, I was almost you know afraid and anxious about stepping up as a freshman you know trying to be a leader to these juniors and seniors who you know I had just met that was um a really big weakness at first for me and I did overcome it as I you know got more comfortable, but it took a lot of time to sort of be comfortable with, you know, stepping up and being a leader and developing some of those leadership skills um, as a freshman. And I think um, another one of my, my weaknesses that I eventually overcame was I, I had trouble with focus. Um, and I think that happens with a lot of goalkeepers too, is that they, you know, you're, you're back there 
sort of by yourself for, you know, some of the game, especially if your team is a successful team, you know, the ball's not by you very often, but you still have to stay engaged because you're directing the defense. You can see the whole field. There's, you know, you still have a job, but it's sometimes hard to stay engaged. And that was a struggle that I struggled with, um, especially when I first started um, through the help of my coaches and the sports psych uh, consultant that we had at my school. I, I got better at both of those things, which was awesome. And I think what was cool is that what were my weaknesses at the beginning ended up being some of my strengths towards the end, um, which was really, really cool. Looking back, it's really cool to see how that evolved that, you know, by the time I graduated, I, you know, I won an award for leadership. Um, and so leadership ended up being one of my biggest strengths. Whereas at the beginning, that was sort of something that I was one of my weaknesses um, in terms of my, my athletic career anyway. Right. I, I can agree with you totally because I came in probably not, you know, the best athlete. We just had gone through a coaching change as well here at Whitewater and just adjust adjusting to now we have longer courses, um, a different group of girls that I had played with. And I remember last year I was driving up with my parents and it was one of the last times that I would be coming back to campus. And I just reflected on how much success not only did my team have, but did I have individually in just growing my mental side of the game, growing, um, you know, my actual strengths on the course. It was exactly like how you said it. Your weaknesses were once weaknesses. However, as the years have progressed on, they actually have become your strengths. And it is a really, really cool thing to feel so accomplished at the end of everything. Yeah, and I think that happens a lot for successful athletes because I think if you're a very driven athlete, you you find those things that are your weaknesses and you really want to work on them. And so you put so much time and effort into them that they do end up being strengths. So I do think that's very common and it's, it's great to see. And I think, like I said, successful athletes, I think that's something that you see because they're so focused on, on getting those, those weaknesses to become their strengths. Right. When you were in school, did your coach focus a lot on the side of the game or how did the mental aspect of soccer come into play? So when I was an athlete. I went through a coaching change. Uh, my first uh, set of coaches, they focused more, I would say, on the mental side than my second set of coaches. Um, they were the ones who brought the sport psych consultant like to our practice to meet us. And um, we didn't really do any activities or anything, but they brought her there and just said, hey, this is who this is. She's here to help and introduced us. Um, and they did a little bit more. We, ha we had what we called accountability groups, which is what I thought was really cool. It was uh, one person from each uh, grade level. So freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and you met each week um, and held each other accountable for your goals and for different things. Make sure you're on task with, with school. And um, they did stuff like that. And I thought that was really neat um, that they incorporated some of that stuff in that definitely wasn't directly soccer related, but it was definitely part of sort of that mental game and keeping you mentally sharp. Um, our second set of coaches didn't focus as much on the, the mental side. Um, by that time, I had already met the uh, sports site consultant at, at the university, and so I was working with her. And so that was um, lucky for me. I think that some of the other players who you know hadn't met with the sports site, they uh, found our second set of coaches a little frustrating because they didn't do very much 
with the mental side of the game. But I think that drove me even more to realize how much, you know, mental coaches and sports psychology consultants have a place within college athletics and are often needed. Right. I agree. It definitely can help, you know, athletes overcome barriers that are holding them back from being as successful as they can. And I think that now a days more than ever, um, a lot of, a lot of athletic programs are focusing on mental side of sports. Definitely. And I know, you know, one, um, they've implemented legislation within the NCAA that uh, mandates mental health support within the athletic departments, which is a little bit different than what I do since I do more of the mental performance side of things. Um, but it's definitely a big step in the right direction. And I, you know, I think that's going to be, you know, it's going to keep evolving. And I think, um, you know, the future generations of collegiate athletes are going to be really lucky with all the support that they're going to have. I agree completely. What do you believe, believe made you so successful in your sport? Oh, that's a tricky one. Uh, I'm going to throw some honesty out here right now. I think a lot of it was luck. <laughs> I think that I was in the right place at the right time with the right people. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, was, I was very lucky to have walked into a program that um, – really helped me to hone in on my skills. Um, I was an athletic individual, but I wasn't the most skilled. Um, and I was lucky to have coaches that sort of helped me hone in on my skills and sharpen up my skills and directed me towards the mental side of the game. And, um, you know, things just kind of fell into place for me. And so I say luck, but I mean, it was also some hard work, some, you know, dedication, learning new skills, but it was, I was lucky to fall into the circumstances that I did to have the people around me that, uh, helped me, you know, to get to where I did. Right. That's awesome. And I'm sure that you look back and think how much that molded you into the person you are today. And ultimately that's the most success that you can ever ask for. Definitely. Definitely. Shifting gears has athletics been a big part of your today and is mental toughness something that you'll focus on when um you know raising your kids yeah i think both uh myself and my husband were athletes up and so we have always valued sports and athletics and we enjoy going to watch sports we watch it on tv we follow it um and so athletics is a big part of just our lifestyle and now i have a one-year-old daughter um and for her birthday we just bought her a little uh soccer goal basketball combo thing and we're really pumped because she already knows how to kick the ball and put the the basketball in the hoop so we're like pretty pumped about that um but i think that you know it's really cool because i already see myself you know using some of these mental skills and things with her not even from an athletic standpoint but just like as a parent um you know when she's clearly like frustrated because you know at this age they're trying to do things and can't because they're too little and you know i find myself you know it's okay try again and thinking about oh like if she was a little older i'd do this with her and thinking about you know the mental mental skills so i think i can see as as she grows up definitely incorporating some of that and i'll have to you know back off so that i'm not you know too overbearing you know of course but (laughs) Um, definitely, you know, the cool thing about these mental skills is that they're useful in areas other than sport. They're useful in 
business and in school and in life. And so um, definitely I use these skills all the time and I can see myself, you know, with my family down the road as well. Right. Normally when I'm interviewing athletes, I will ask them at the end of the podcast and say, what, you know, traits have you in that you learned in athletics and um, imply or put them in your real life. And there's so many that you can just like think of that really like will help you be successful in your lifetime management, um, you know, mental toughness itself. So I think that it's really awesome that you can already start, you know, using those skills with your daughter and eventually in the future. Definitely. There's so much carryover, you know, from the mental side and even, you know, just sport in general, just the hard work and the dedication and goal setting and, you know, you know, putting in a lot of effort and seeing the reward from that. I think there's just so many things you can take away from sport, you know, for the rest of your life, whether it's in your family or in your future career. Totally. Looking at the big picture, what do you wish to accomplish in the next, in the next few years in your career? Wow. Um, well, I hope that I am still at WW. I really, really uh, enjoy my job. I like teaching the classes. I like working with the athletes. I think it's a really great atmosphere uh, in the athletic department and within the kinesiology department where I'm a professor. And there's a great partnership between the kinesiology department and the athletic department uh, because a lot of the coaches teach and a lot of us professors work with athletics too. And so I really, really enjoy that. And I hope that um, still there and I hope that over the next couple years, we can continue to strengthen those relationships and really, you know, keep working together as a department and um, athletic department and kinesiology department to, you know, help each other out and keep growing both programs. Right. I definitely feel that having you on board is going to continue to make our athletes and our programs more successful. So I hope to still see you here. Well, me too. And then finally, my last question to you would be, what advice would you give your future self? Ooh, what advice would I give my future self? Yes. I would probably say maybe remember to slow because sometimes things get crazy, especially this year with and just the way 2020 has been going. Um, really in the opportunity I've gotten to sort of be at home and slow down a little bit. I've realized some, you know, some things that you miss out on when you're so busy doing work and everything, you know, so just reminding myself in the future to slow down. And I think that's something that everyone would do well to remind themselves from time to time. Seriously, I think that is a great piece of advice as well. I now have five hitter questions for you before we wrap up. So I'm going to hop right into those. And the first one that I am going to ask you is what is your biggest fear? My biggest fear. Boy. Um, well, I think now having a child that my biggest fear has, has changed somewhat. Uh, I think my biggest fear now is something's going to happen to my daughter. I don't even know what, it's just a weird fear that something's going to happen. <laughs> That's, I'm sure a lot of 
bones feel the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> How about your favorite music genre? Uh, country music. I agree with you completely. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> I, I gotta love good country. I agree. How about your favorite TV series? Ooh. Uh, you know, right now I have been binge watching Chits Creek and it's pretty hilarious. So good. My parents watched that. <laughs> How about your holiday movie? Ooh, I would have to say National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I've never seen it. I've never seen Christmas Vacation. No, I'll have to put it on my list. You better watch it. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's because I I'm old, but <laughs> but it's pretty much the best. I will definitely get get to watching that. And then, lastly, how or what is your happy place look like? Ooh, my happy place definitely outdoors on a sunny day that's not too hot. Uh, basically, just being outside doing anything with my family um, is my happy place. That sounds awesome just about now, considering we're about to get snow. I know. <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me today on Inside Warhawk Athletics, presented by Educators Credit Union. I appreciate the time and wish you all of the best. Thanks so much for having me.